I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. Your shirt looks really nice, Jacob. <laughs> I'm glad to hear I that. am so happy that uh, we have these nice Clue Dunnit t-shirts <laughs> that friends Wayne and Alyssa had made for us. Yes. Weston and Stella has our logo on it. Looks really cute. It's very lovely. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's this it's the second it is our second piece of it's our second piece of fan art. We have gotten three we have gotten three things of fan art. Yes. And uh, we will talk about the third one here soon. But uh, but no, today it is the shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely looks shirt. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne and Alyssa and Stella and Weston. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we're in. We're back. We're here. This week we are doing Clarice, which is CBS's attempt to do Mindhunter, but they can't really do it. They just kind of jam it together with like a little bit of Law and Order and a little bit of CSI, and there you go. It's Clarice. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, show logline. A look at the untold personal story of FBI agent Clarice Starling as she returns to the field about a year after the events of The Silence of the Lambs. And this is the thing. I had forgotten about Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs was huge. Mm-hmm. And it has spawned a huge franchise. Like, so many, like, movies and TV shows and every, and books through the years. Like, let's just capture, the, like, the magic of this first movie. There's been so much of it. I had forgotten. Like, I had assumed when I, like, oh, yeah, we'll do Clarice. I had assumed that it's going to be a prequel because that's what everything is. They're going to reboot it. They're going to yeah, do a prequel yeah. on it. But then we watched. Baby Clarice. <laughs> yeah, Baby Clarice. But then we watched the movie again, and it had been so long since I'd seen the movie, I'd forgotten that Clarice was still in the Academy. Yeah, she was still a trainee. She was still a trainee when she went up against Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. So as soon as we saw that, I was like, oh, this couldn't possibly be a prequel. What are you what are you going to prequel to? Are you going to go back to like watching her on the ranch, like try to save a lamb? That's not going to happen. So yeah. it's the fact that it's one year after is Yeah. Yeah. It it's still a period lot. piece. Oh yeah, for sure. That's the thing. So Silence of the Lambs comes out in 1991. It came out on February 14th. Valentine's wow. Day, but it was also President's Day weekend. <laughs> On Friday night, we sat down to watch the show and get up to speed with everything. And as I'm starting the show, Jessica turns to me and she's like, am I going to be lost if I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> It's like, yes, yes, you may not understand what's going on if you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs. So we had to immediately rewind and go back and watch Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it was it was very exciting. It's a very I good movie. Thought, yes. I mean, I was scared and creeped out. It's Jonathan Dem, right. Demi. Dem. I, I don't know. Let's go with Demi. I think I've heard Demi more. Okay. Dem, Dem, Demi? Dem, yeah, let's go Demi. And it's written by Ted Talley, adapted from Thomas Harris's 1988 novel. So this is crazy. This movie came out in 1991. They had started filming in 1989, the wow. year after the novel had been released. It stars Jodie Foster yes, as Clarice Starling. She is a trainee, super young Jodie Foster with brown hair, not blonde. A young, she's a young FBI. That's key, people. We'll come back to that later. FBI trainee who is hunting a serial killer named Buffalo Bill who skins his female victims. To catch him, she seeks the advice of the imprisoned Dr. Hannibal Lecter, who is played by Anthony Hopkins. So that was something that always confused me because I thought that Anthony Hopkins was the skinner of people. And I was like, how does it happen? Like, what's the cannibal Hannibal thing going on if he's skinning people also? And like, if he's already in jail, why is that? I don't get it. I just love the fact that you're doing this recap of Silence of the Lambs. And honestly, you're the only person who hasn't seen it. (laughs) She just gave a recap for herself. Yeah. Top movies that year. I mean, Silence of the Lambs broke all the records. Okay. It was released, like we said, February 14th, 1991, grossed $272 million worldwide on a $19 million budget, becoming the fifth highest grossing film of 1991. Other top movies that year, Kevin Costner in Robin Hood. (laughs) Backdraft. Oh my God. Yeah. JFK. Kevin Costner is in two of these so far. Yeah. Point Break. Nice. Dead Again. 
which is the last time we see Kenneth Branagh and for many years. and Emma Thompson together ever. No, that's not true. Uh, they were to, did Much Ado about nothing come out after? Was that, it after? Before? I think it was oh, after. Oh, maybe. Okay, you're right. Okay. Oh my god! So they were still together. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bring it home. Why? Why are we talking about all this? So I'm just trying to put us all into the mind of like 1991. 1991 is basically still the 80s in a lot of ways. Sure. The TV shows that were on in 1991, Cheers, Unsolved mm-hmm. Mysteries, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, Designing Women was still on mm-hmm. in 1991, Full House, Murder, She Wrote was still on. My point is like 1991 is still the 80s because when we watched the TV show, <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of things that we were like, this is not 1992 because <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a year right, later, a year right? Later. Yeah, like they, they so, have LED flashing yeah. lights on uh, cop cars. And yeah, they have, yeah. Like they have, talk more about that. You noticed a lot. Well, they had like like one of the iconic moments of Silence of the Lambs is in the very climax of the film. Clarice is hunting down uh, Buffalo Bill through the basement of his house, his torture house. And the he flips the lights off at the breaker. And so it's this literal haunted house vibe. Like she's racing through the house trying to find him where he's hidden. And he there's all these the doors. Lights. You can't keep track of like what corridor is she going down? Was she is. through that door already? So yeah, this is, is that a new door? So of course, in the pilot of Clarice, they have to have a search where she's chasing down a killer through a house where all the lights are off. And there's this climactic fight in the kitchen of this house, not the basement, but the kitchen. But in the background, there's this refrigerator where it's just like, oh, no, that is not a refrigerator from 1992. That, yeah. <laughs> that is a refrigerator from 2018 with the bottom drawer. Like, they, they try to put it in a period. The car work is great. Like, whoever's yeah. sourcing cars for them, like, they really do have some, like, Chevettes. Yes. They even get her Pinto in there at one point. They change it out, but they have her Pinto in at one point. So whoever's doing the car work, great work, except for the LED flashing lights, but whatever. I will say, though, I'm very grateful. A couple of things that they do that I'm grateful for is that, one, they bring back her best friend. Yes. So Clarice is brought into this, but they bring back her best friend. What's Ardelia her Map. Ardelia Map, which I really like. I thought that was a really great idea. I like the fact that nobody likes her in this show. She's spent the past year hiding out in the basement of Behavioral Sciences Unit, just doing surveys and taking down just information, helping them put together their profiles and everything like that. So the conceit of the series is that in the movie, it was Catherine Martin, I think was the name of the Mm -hmm, woman, was the final victim of Buffalo Bill. And that is the woman that... Well, she was kidnapped, but she actually was never killed. She was never killed. That is the woman that Clarice saves at the end of the movie. And the senator, what is the senator's name? Her mother? Ruth Martin. Ruth Martin sets up the deal with Hannibal, which allows him to go free. But Clarice goes in and saves the daughter. In the TV show, Ruth Martin is no longer a senator. Now she is the attorney general for the United States. And there is another serial killer on the loose. Now that she's attorney general, she wants to show that she's tough on crime. She's putting together her own very special task force to hunt down the most violent criminals, serial killers, etc., etc. And she chooses Clarice Starling to kind of be the face of this because A, she helped save her daughter. And B, she has this kind of notoriety about her because she was the one who caught Buffalo Bill. So Clarice is pulled out of the basement and put in with this team of guys, one of whom was somebody that she crossed in the movie. What was that gentleman's name? I forget the character's name. Kendler. So he was the attorney. He was somebody. Krendler. Krendler. Paul Krendler. So Krendler was in Silence of the Lambs. He kind of overrides the FBI at a certain point when they mess up with Hannibal and tries to take control of the investigation. And so the fact that Clarice was the one who actually ends up catching Buffalo Bill is kind of sticks in his craw. And so he has double reason not to like her. But Ruth Martin, I think you said that? Ruth Martin has chosen him to lead this team, the VICAP team, V-I-C-A-P, which by the way, I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a little side break here for a second. <laughs> Everybody wears, there's your CSI jackets. There's your FBI jackets. Now there are VICAP jackets. They have like the whole like blue jacket with like the yellow letters yeah. on the back, VICAP, which I think they mentioned what it means once. I don't know what I it means. Don't, I never heard them mention it's it. It's ridiculous. Every, like everybody gets an acronym jacket now, yes. everybody. Like yeah. you get an acronym jacket. You get an acronym. I want an acronym jacket. Yeah, 1990. C- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying like CDI. Here we go. Clue done. I want an acronym. <laughs> acronym jacket that's what all <laughs> our friends all our friends out there who like make a swag 
I want a blue acronym jacket. Yeah. Anyways, so that's the situation. So Clarice has been shoved into this team of people who don't like her and don't trust her and resent her notoriety. And now she's out to save crimes. Save crimes. Save crimes. <laughs> save and the world. Save the world, yes. And now she's out to solve, solve crimes, crimes and save the world. <laughs> yes, yeah. So it's a crime drama mystery thriller. Okay. It well, The pilot premiered February 11th, 2021. Oh my God, this is such a 2021 show. Is it? The original, like, there's a cannibal. It was a serial killer. The premise of the pilot is that, no, no, this isn't a serial killer. This is somebody who's working on behalf of corporate malfeasance to, like, kind of, like, shut down this, these whistleblowers. So whistleblowers, late-stage capitalism, yes. going after evil corporations. Like, this is all 2021. Yeah, and people languages. are saying that. Those are their oh, lines. Yeah. Those are actually they're like, talking. this is late-stage capitalism. Well, now late we're stage in late-stage capitalism. Oh, Hold no, on. that's Wait, that. What? That is a 2021 word. It's <laughs> FBI agents for not talking about that in 1992. Yeah, yeah. And what's the line that she has in the pilot? Oh my God, I love this line. This is the best line. This is like the epitaph for 2021. Somebody talks to her, like as the case is escalating and things are getting spookier and weirder, someone says, it's getting worse. And she, and she just turns to the camera and just says, it always gets worse. <laughs> I just love it. 2021, there you go. Oh, okay. I have to say this. The other thing to keep in mind about this show is that like, like CBS is aware that they have a very beloved IP, <laughs> for, for <laughs> yes. lack of a better term. They're aware that they have a very classic story and characters, but they can't get away from the CBS of it all. Yes. So Hannibal was another take on this. It followed Hannibal Lecter as opposed to Clarice. Yeah. And that was for NBC. It was directed by Brian Fuller, show run by Brian Fuller. And it was weird it was deeply weird it was david lynch 80s art film weird and like people would just like mind-blowing surreal stuff this kind of wants to be surreal but can't stop being a cbs family cop drama procedural yeah like yeah. like this is how you fit into our team this is who we need you to be can we trust you we're a family yeah. This is also why it's a 2021 show is that like the big question is, is she has PTSD and is she going to like stay sane? Which I'm like, you know what? 2021, we all had PTSD. Yeah, yeah. It's like, are you sleeping well? <laughs> None of no. us were, Clarice. None of us were. It's 2021. Yeah. Like the shrink is talking to her. Might as well be talking to everybody in the audience right. watching. Like, are you sleeping through the no, night? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Get us out of this hell year. Do we need to talk about anything else before we get into the uh, Well, run? I just want to say we are watching it on Apple TV. You mm -hmm. can also buy it right now on Amazon Prime. Right. We are watching episode seven of season one. Right. It's called The Ugly Truth. And just to give you a quick summary, Clarice and Ardelia team up to investigate a deeply twisted cold case after the body of a missing teenager is found entombed in concrete. Clarice wrestles with the knowledge that Krendler may know the man who attacked her while she was held captive. This aired in April of 2021. All right. Well, we're going to go find out about some concrete and get what clues we can. And we'll be right back with some guessing. Woohoo! I want to pause for a moment here before we get too deep into the story here for a second. I want to ask you what your favorite sound is from the show so far. Oh, well... It's the flies, I think. It's the flies. Yeah, sure. Uh, gross. 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 So in in the show, yes, the very first scene of the show is that they they find the body very first thing right off the the artsy the artsy like art house film kind of stylistic portion of this show is this a sledgehammer is busting through drywall and breaking up the wall of the house where um going through brick and all of these flies are just buzzing 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 everywhere they're like it's it's disgusting and it's the flies are everywhere but and that's a that's a good sound that's a good sound to like on this i just want to point out though that like this show is practically sound designed by michael bay 
everything <laughs> everything has a sound and everything is over like over processed and over over audiated that's my new word over audiated well that's interesting that you would say because well we'll talk about it later okay it's you'll you'll tell me later but i mean they gave sound effects to flashlights in the pilot in the pilot and that that like that kind of sound effect thing is still happening here like you hear every drip you hear every like wheel rolling in like that creak of like plastic laptops opening up when they like start uh, start opening up the murder room on this i want a timeline for the day cody went missing tell the rapid start supervisor to get his ass down here tell him i want any particulars on my desk the second they become available Everything has a sound and every sound is epic. It's amazing. I love it. So like, what's your favorite sound? I, you know, I don't know that I really, like they, they got like, they got the squeak of like a marker on a clear whiteboard. Like, oh yeah. Because of course they don't just do whiteboards, people. This is hot. Like, I love that they really do, like <laughs> Mind Hunter really, like they went back to the 70s and early 80s and they were just like, nope, we're going to fetishize exactly where we are at this point of time. This show desperately wants to be CSI now. So they're trying to show you... <laughs> 2022. They're, yes. They're trying to show you every single piece of technology. Like they want, they want that shiny future happening as soon as possible in the FBI in 1992. Yeah, so, they're talking about mitochondrial DNA. You're telling me that she was able to process this in this mitochondrial, a less than I, a scene? Yes, in less than a scene. Yes, it's experimental and in less than a scene they've done it. If there's even the fringiest possibility that this technology existed we're going to put it in there there was such simplicity and like uh, I, I don't want to say fun but there was just such great like resonance with the mind hunter scenes but that is not what this is this no, to- this, this is show different. is definitely not and going for i was thinking csi too with the flies because i was oh, like yeah. oh is grissom gonna show up and do a little <laughs> entomology for us let me tell you about these flies but yes. in any event i'm i'm very sorry for the parents of cody phelps because that is the dead young boy that they have found in the in the wall. That they His mother did it. Oh, going in with the guest right now. That's okay, what I think. Okay, you think that the mother did it. So we meet the mother later on in well, the teaser. The, I mean, she's the only person we meet in the teaser. She is the only person we meet we other than And then we find out else. that 12 years ago, there was another young boy who was 12 years old. Same DNA found on him, evidential DNA. And, and they said it was not mitoc- him, right? And they said that it was mitochondrial DNA, and they made a big fact about the fact that mitochondrial DNA was passed from mothers. Yes, so that's why I'm saying okay. it's the mother. It's the mother. She's going right in with the mother right now. Yeah, right that's up my front. guess. Okay, I know it's not. It's not like crazy, like aliens or anything. Well, that's fine because I'm guessing Peter Gabriel. What? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not guessing Peter Gabriel, but like, I was trying to think of like a soundtrack to the Sledgehammer other than Flies, and I was just like, there's Peter Gabriel Sledgehammer. There's Percy Sledge when a man loves a woman. There's just. Did there's they have of... music? No, they didn't have any that? music at no, all. I'm just saying. Just I'm just. Rhyme, I'm ruminating on that while we do oh, this. Okay. For us. And it is called the Ugly Truth. Oh. So, what does that mean? I, I mean, is it I about always... ugly ducklings, maybe. Oh. She trying to like make a better, better looking boy every single time. <laughs> She's trying to make a better looking boy every single time. Mel Gibson is next on her list of people to hit up. Yeah. 12 is also such a... I was also wondering if it was a... I mean, 12 for a boy, you know, you're not a teenager yet. You're still a tween, yeah. You're, you're still but, a tween. but puberty has kind of started to hit. Yeah, and she says it, when she enters the house, you can hear in the voiceover... Well, and you can see if you're yeah. watching closed captions that she says, I have to see my little boy. And you're like, mm, he's 12 and he actually looks pretty tall in this. He little... does look really big in yeah. this. He's, so he's, he's they scrunched have, up in this hole. They have the scrunched wall. him up in this hole in the wall. Clarice says that it looks like someone was trying to protect him. And Murray is very upset at this. Murray is leading this uh, crime scene, the, the this investigation. And Murray is like, what do you mean protect? If he was protected, he wouldn't be dead. And Clarice is like, it looks almost womb-like. Yeah, so. because he is curled up. Yeah, they, and they make a big deal out of the fact that there was one blow to the back of his head, blunt mm-hmm. force trauma. He wasn't in any pain. He died instantly. Yeah. They make a big deal about showing that to the mother. 
Well, let me tell you a little bit about what else happens in the teaser so okay. we can get to all this and then we can make some guesses on this. But now that we've told you everything, essentially. So yes, they find the boy in the walls of the house. They go back to HQ. They set up the murder room to investigate it. Krendler is like, where's Clarice? And is it Sean? Are we saying his name is Sean? Sean Trapathy is just like, where's Clarice? That should be our new logo. We should have new jackets made. And I was like, yes! Yes! <laughs> that should be the new name for our team. <laughs> new jackets! New jackets! New acronyms! Yes! More jackets, the better. <laughs> but so Clar- Clarice has been uh, on leave. She's been attacked. The season arc of her trying to find these corporate people still goes on. She has been abducted and attacked by this lawyer or this person. She doesn't know who it is, but she has somebody has abused her. And so she has been on a little bit of leave, but uh, she comes back just as Murray is bad-mouthing her to Krenler being like, I mean, let's be honest, is she okay? Has she ever been okay? <laughs> and she, Clarice is very Midwest strong. She's just like, we're coal miners where I come from, and we say we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. So she's back. But she notices in Krenler's office that the lawyer, the person who who abused her, is on the cover of a lawyer magazine or was on the cover of some magazine as like South's best lawyer or something like that. And yeah. Krendler is just like, he's not a bad guy. He's my divorce lawyer. And she's like, he's the guy that hit me. And the rest of the guys come to Clarice's defense. There's a very much a just like, we believe the woman side yes. of things where she's just yes. like, Krendler, she said he did this. You got to believe her. You got to believe her. And Krendler's finally like, fine, I'll deal with him. Murray, you're in charge of this case. The Cody Phelps case. So then they go out to Cody Phelps' house and what do they do? They, How do they get into the house? They do they do that thing now where it's really like it's really in vogue to do like slow things down then speed up. And then slow things down a little bit too. And then speed them up again. So I yeah. just want to say like we need to start like we need to start collecting you know instead of who wore it better we need to start collecting, like, who did it better? Like, who, who walked it who better? Sl- who, slow- who did this slow walk better? Did Psych do the slow walk better or did Clarice do the slow walk better? Yeah, this is a pretty great slow walk. It was a pretty uh, good slow walk. And he, was, and even, all three of them, they were in this, like, line and they're yeah, all looking over their shoulders well, no, at each other. Well, just Murray, I thought, turned around to look to see who was behind well, him. Oh, maybe, but yeah, not, but it was, no, it might have been just Murray, but it was very choreographed. It was very much just like... They're all bum, getting bum, out of the car. Bum, bum, and, yeah. Bum, bum. So they've determined that the boy has been decomposing for about nine to ten months. They he went missing over a year ago. A year ago, yeah, but he's been decomposed for nine to ten months, so that might be something... The homeowners re- were remodeling and they let some air get in and the flies got in there and then the exterminator found the boy. Back at HQ, Ardelia is talking with Garrett, another black FBI agent, and he's trying to convince her to come to the Black Coalition and try to create some change in the Bureau. She is wary but finally agrees to it. Just when Clarice calls and says, hey, I want you to check out these DNA samples and tell me what you can get from them. And then we go back to the crime scene. Clarice is there. She talks about the wound, and that's when the mother shows up. The mother's like, I have to see my child. The mother comes in, is overcome with grief. But the first, like, Clarice comforts her. Like, the first thing Clarice says, look, you definitely need to see this child. But before you do, you have to know that he didn't feel any pain. It was very quick. And so the mother looks at, they pull the tarp off, and the mother looks at the boy and is very overcome with grief and ends up, like, grabbing Clarice's hand and Clarice is a little upset not upset but a little like taken aback by the first but eventually she leans into it and comforts the mother puts another hand puts on another her hand, hand. On yeah and then they go back to HQ where Murray is casually racist to Esquival who asks is he even worse today and Clarice is like I don't know and then Ardelia shows up again and that's when she drops the bombshell about that they ran they did get a hit on the DNA from 12 years ago somebody else so now there's somebody who's killing children out there yeah this is a bad thing and murray definitely does not like the killing of children yeah murray is very upset by all of this murray is very definitely shaken by all of this yeah murray also has a stack of porno mags on his desk yeah but i think i feel like that's got something to do with a different case different case fair enough Fair enough. I don't, I mean, maybe. I don't know. In the 90s, you would have, at, at the FBI, you would have Spank sitting out on your the, desk. I, I don't know. I, they were some like classic Spanks too. They did not look like oh, 90. Oh, you're familiar with Spanks? I the publication not, of Spanks? But it, like the way that they were designed made them look like something out of the 50s. Yeah. To be fair, you are you are right. It did look like a 50s, 60s kind of. They looked vintage. Of, yeah. It did, it did not look as if it was like cutting age, cutting age, cutting edge. It didn't look like 90s porn. Yeah. Do tell. (laughs) I just, I mean, (laughs) 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't there like photo like there's a big emphasis on photography in the 90s isn't there well, my think, face think- is getting so red <laughs> <laughs> but i i think that's the case this looked very like like hand-drawn with like cartoony bright colors and sort of yearbook cutouts as opposed to like like a 90s flavor to it fo- photography with with hair with big hair like okay i will give you the i will give you the big hair yeah, because yeah. this is right after the '80s. Sure, they're just they're trying to like keep us on our toes and like and be confused about where we are and what the rules are. Maybe, maybe, yeah, or maybe see. they just think it's such a pastiche that like we won't get it. I don't know. As adults watching the show, or that the kids don't care. The kids I just don't, don't think the show is for the kids. I don't think the show is for the kids either. I don't think the show is for the kids either. But I think it has time come time. Okay. So to make some guesses here. Okay. So you are you sticking with the mother? Yeah, I'm saying the mother, and I think, and this is, I could be told, I I hate to say this, mm-hmm. but I think that she killed him because I go for motive mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Like I think that we should be counting motive <laughs> as well, not just who done it, but like why. And I, I'm sorry that I'm just revealing this in what is basically season two of our podcast. But I think that she is doing it because when she they get to 12 years old, it's like just before they're a teenager. It's and a she, Peter Pan thing. Yeah. And she's like, oh, they're not baked right. It didn't turn out good. So I'm just killing them. They're not going to be good teenagers. Uh, they're not going to be good grown-ups. Or, or yeah, maybe she wants to... I don't know. What did you mean by Peter Pan? I wasn't... Actually, well, that Pan, didn't come to mind. Peter Pan's the boy that never grew up. So right. they're, with her, they're like, like 12 years old, right? like you said, right on the cusp of puberty, of becoming a teenager, of growing up. So maybe she's just trying to like capture them and keep them as a young boy forever. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking with the womb thing, mm-hmm. I don't think I was actually thinking that. I was thinking that she was like, oh, they're not baked. They're, oh, they're, just, they're not... ugly. He's ugly. It's It didn't turn out right. Oh, so I'm going to put him back in the womb and maybe like tumble dry him a little more and maybe he'll get done better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, or or this just this one didn't work. Mm. So I'm throwing it out. But like, the, but throwing it out back into the womb though, that's... I know. It's confused. People, it's confused. People, people are confused. Are... Just like the time period. It's confused. Yeah. Okay. It's just lots of... I'm not saying it's going to make any sense at all. Okay. But that, yeah, that's my guess and my motive. That's your motive. I'm going to say that it is a musician. I'm going to say that, it is, that I am. I'm going to go... I'm going to double wow. down on my musician thing. I'm going to say that it's a musician who has become involved with these two separate boys' mothers... And has kind of had like I'm gonna I'm leaning into Peter Pan. Okay. So this musician is kind of like, let's be honest, like you know like musicians have that kind of irresponsible, um, <laughs> Lothario kind of like like how do you like how do you scare a drummer? Ask him to marry you? Kind of like never want to grow up? Kind of like man child thing going on? And like he's getting involved with these women, and these women have sons, and as the sons are getting older, and this in, this musician is afraid that this this son may supplant them in their mother's affections or the mother may have to pay more attention to this person and so he's just like nope i'm just gonna kill you before you grow up because i'm the only like i can only by the way this is a cliche of musicians this is not something that's oh yeah sure so to all the musicians i know i know in the real world i don't actually think this of you no 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 (laughs) not at all not at all But yes, but no, I think that is what I think I'm. I'm going to play off the whole Peter Pan syndrome, and I do, and I am, I am, I, I don't really think they're going to do this, but I would absolutely love it if they did play like Peter Gabriel or Percy Sledge later in this episode. I would, I would just love that because oh, they do have a little bit of a needle drop out here. Do they? No, they've they've had some good, they've had some decent songs. They've had some good music. I just don't think they have ever gone for like, you know, a. Top ten. You're right. You're right. Not, sledgehammer. Or right, but maybe they'll maybe have like a cover. It. That's what I'm gonna say. Like oh. Maybe a cover version of it or something like that. Okay. Like some bar where somebody is singing this song, or there's Sledge. a co- exactly right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna listen for that. But that's what I think. I think there's a musician out there who's been getting involved with the boys' mothers. That's what I think. You're going for the oh. mother. I'm going for. Musician. I think it's the same mother. Yeah. The same mother. Same, same. mother for it's the both. Same, so so even though the boy 12 years ago and then this yeah. boy was 12, so she would have had to have had a child 24 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Again, time is just mixed up everywhere here. 
Yeah. All right. Well, she's got the mother. I've got the musician. We're going to watch the rest of the show, and we'll come back and tell you how we did. See you in a sec. Go. You have your cat Jenga happening over there. Exactly. She, for for Christmas, Jessica received a thing of stackable cats. It's the it's these like wooden puzzle pieces of cats in various poses, which you are meant to stack and put on each other. And I, I call it cat Jenga. It is. It's totally <laughs> cat Jenga because you have you can rearrange them and try to balance them on each other try to balance them on each other and get them as high as they possibly can go yes it's fantastic and i love it okay okay so we just watched some more clarice and we watched the whole clarice to be clear we watched to be clear about clarice we watched the complete uh, i really can't make a (laughs) it's not a clip episode make it a warm up (laughs) (laughs) to go back to the cat jenga yeah i'm putting it in instagram yes by the way no idea who gave it to us Still a mystery. <laughs> it's just it's just a mystery. Do we want to make bets on it? <laughs> Since we are a mystery podcast. We are a mystery. <laughs> Actually, I did put bets on it and then I called the people and they did they everybody said no. And so We just have this mystery I, cat jenga game. Yeah, it's it, I guess it's going to be a whole season arc. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But before we get into the whole season art, let's tell you how we did on this episode. We lost. We did. Again. Completely. Completely lost. I'm not completely lost. All right, fine. You, well, but there are no half points, Jacob. You're, I'm, you, you're right. There are no half points, but you wanted motive, and I came pretty darn close. You, well, I mean, I had a, I had a mirror image. The table, I had a I had a mirror image a of little, it. A little. I mean, kind of. I had that the father did it. Because he didn't want the responsibility of the son hanging around, so he killed the son. And in reality, what happened was that the father left because he didn't want the responsibility. So the son did it. Yeah. Another son did it because yes. he was, well, we'll get A neighbor's son. A neighbor's son was doing it because there was much sexual abuse happening. Yes. It was a very icky story from start to finish yeah so it was very sad but we did not yeah win. there should be some trigger warnings probably oh, we always say that on like every episode trigger warning you definitely say spoiler warnings because my god we do, i mean yes. well it's too late now you we just had this episode spoiled for you if, if you're retro we're gonna retcon a spoiler alert to the beginning of this which you know we also need to talk about retconning there's some outrageous shenanigans happening here, and I, <laughs> I have feelings. I do too. They have taken. I a, fully they, do. They, I have feelings, my friends. But first, let's let's start with let's start with the second dead child. If you remember, we found a second dead child. Ardelia came up with a match on a cold case. There was a second dead child. Mm-hmm. The boy's name was Bobby Larkin. He was killed 12 years. They mentioned they are very specific. He was killed 12 years ago in 1982. Yes. Which puts this as 1994. They're playing fast and loose with time. Who knows what year it actually is. Bobby was killed the same way as Cody, hammered to the back of the head, also put into the foundation of an Mm -hmm. abandoned house. And with all of these new things, Ardelia pushes to be on the case because Ardelia was the one who found all this. Well, not really. She found the the DNA. DNA. Everybody. But it's also the neighborhood. Bobby Larkin is from a neighborhood where she grew up. Yes, where she grew up. So she pushes down because she found the DNA. It's personal. And and this this will be her first case, which is a big deal for an FBI agent to be. This is IMDb talks about this. (laughs) So ridiculous. (laughs) But they talk about how having solving a case, being able to take in the perp is like the highest position oh and you get very rewarded and noticed not so much for the other stuff unfortunately right well they are definitely cordelia not cordelia clary that would be a great little portmanteau of their relationship though cordelia ardelia and clarice so now they're cordelia yes exactly benifer and cordelia for sure for sure they are now cordelia yes anyways so yes uh, she, Ken Krendler, agrees. She is on the case. They're super excited. They stop to give a little bit of exposition about the bad lawyer dude case that's going on, but then they yeah. just 
squee and excitement about her having her first healed case. Yeah. And I, yes, Cordelia. I am glad, and I said this at the top of the show, I'm yeah. glad that they found a space for this character to come back. But I, I like, there were times, times in this episode where I was like, what is, what is happening between these two people here? Like, what is, what is going on? Like, there are times where I was just like, is there something more? But there were also times where I'm just like, who, who actually behaves like that? How do you think that that is actually how women behave? So I just, do I, do I just not understand how women are together in relationships, Jessica? Like on a scale from facts of life to euphoria, <laughs> how real would you say their friendship was portrayed in this episode? Does it, does it look like a real female friendship? Well, to me, I was, I mean, again, we watched episode one. Right. Episode two. And episode two. Mm-hmm. And then we skip to episode seven. Yeah. And, you know, you can have a lot of big change in that time there, as writers. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the <laughs> director and the the team was trying to tell us that this is more than a friendship. That this is... The, these two women have... These two women are like arcing towards being arcing together. Arcing towards being, yes, being together, having a, a, a romantic you know, fully emotional sexual relationship. And I think that's absolutely what the directors are trying to tell us. And I do think women celebrate things. And I think that's what they were trying to show us is that they're trying to, that they do cheer each other on and support each other. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm trying to think like if I've walked out of a meeting with somebody else and looked at a woman and been like, yeah, or we did it or, you know, Uh high five. I mean, I think to a certain extent, um, I don't know that we've squeed. I think that's okay. And here's the other thing. I think that I don't want to get, I'm going to get on my high horse a little bit here, Jacob. I'm sorry. Oh boy, there it is. Here's the high horse. I think that the, the male, the patriarchal male establishment has made, you know, the toxic masculinity about like not having emotions and being quote unquote professional, which seems to leave out the yeah that seems to leave out the humanity and emotion of like real life and in business and you know and forget that business is done by people in relationships and have people who have emotions and people who have like weird hang-ups that they need to go to therapy for but you still have to do deals with them for millions of dollars or whatever if we learned anything from you've got mail it's that business is personal. And yes. The personal is business. It so, is. Yeah. So so I think that it is okay, regardless of whether they are leading towards a sexual relationship or whether they are just friends who are ladies who are friends, that they cheer each other on and are like squee happy. So but before we get into before we get into too much more of the episode, tell us about tell us about Cordelia. Cordelia tell us about Cordelia. Yes. Tell us about Clarice and Ardelia. Okay, so Rebecca Breeds plays Clarice Starling. She is an Australian, and she's a, Australian. Yeah, yeah. She's okay, now don't get me wrong. I knew she was doing West some West Virginia like, accent. She was she's, working hard on that accent. I knew that, yes. but now she's working doubly hard. So if she's yes. Australian, yeah, yeah. She and is fully quoted as having said that she studied how uh, Jodie Foster did her accent and. Mm-hmm. And she's doing that. So she's a newcomer to American screens, more or less. I mean, I sure. relative. She's a young woman. So, but Americans may recognize her from the originals. Um, in 2015, she played Aurora de Martel. And she, it's, have you heard of the originals? No. I thought it was something completely different. But it's a show on CW created by Julie Pleck. And it follows a family of power-hungry thousand-year-old vampires as they work to take back the city they built and dominate all those who did them wrong. I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I need to be watching this, (laughs) I think. (laughs) And then in 2013, she was in Rob Greenberg's We Are Men for CBS, which also starred Cal Penn, who is in this Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, Jerry O'Connell, Chris Smith, and Tony Shalhoub. And she plays Tony Shalhoub's charming daughter. Thank you. I know. Uh, Don't say wife. Thank (laughs) you. I was wife, girlfriend. I was like, oh no, 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 no. no, no. no. He plays her charming daughter. She Um, plays her charming daughter. His charming daughter. Yep. And let's see. Cordelia Map is played by Devin A. Tyler. 
who is known for The Purge in 2019. The Purge? Yeah. She was nice. also in Watchmen. She was also in Out of the Blue and Fear of the Walking Dead. She is currently in a 10-episode arc in the fifth season of the FX show called Snowfall, which is about the early days of the crack cocaine epidemic in Los Angeles during the 1980s. She is from New Orleans, and she went to performing arts school in Texas. And she does a lot of costume dramas. She's been cast in a lot of costume dramas, including both a show or a movie called, I'm not sure which, I'm confusing both of these, but The Underground called The Underground. Uh And then another one, The Underground Railroad. Both about The Underground Railroad. But she's been in both. (laughs) (laughs) She, yeah, very talented. Lots of good stuff in her resume. Okay. Great stuff. Excellent. All right. Well, back in Storyland, Krendler... Krendler's the boss, remember? Yeah. Krendler goes to see the bad lawyer guy. Mm. This is the lawyer that Clarice vaguely remembers from her fugue state when she was abused a couple episodes back that she is now accused of actually abusing her and Krendler doesn't quite believe it, but the other guys in the team kind of do. Krendler goes to see him to kind of suss him out and also because the lawyer is acting as his divorce lawyer and he has to take a meeting with him. And the lawyer makes Krendler feel a little uncomfortable with just how much he knows about Krendler's soon-to-be ex-wife and the strategy that he wants to go with. So Krendler's feeling a little not so nice about this guy. But we also learn during this scene that Sean is tailing the lawyer and trying to dig up dirt for Clarice or just for the case in general. Mm -hmm. After that scene, Clarice and Ardelia go to see Fran Larkin, the mother of the first murdered boy, the boy who was murdered 12 years ago, Barry Larkin. They're African-American, and Fran's brother isn't happy to see them at all. He's like, get the hell off my property. Mm-hmm. But Ardelia gives him some real talk, and because Ardelia is also black, he decides to let them in to see Fran. Fran is very upset, but happy that someone is looking into the death, death of her child, because after Fran's husband left her, it was just her and Bobby, and then Bobby was taken from her. Fran's friends are also there, Mary Beth Kern and her husband, whose name we don't get right away. Mm-mm. I immediately thought that Mary Beth did it. But her husband, the the other dude there, had a definitely like sweaty look and a really just pedo looking mustache. Like yes, they did they all did. they could to make him look absolutely slimy. But it turns out that Mary Beth also lost her husband, and that's how she and Fran became friends at first. Yes. And then it was just tightened when Fran's son was killed. Ardelia asks them all for DNA samples, and after some, like, protests from Fran's brother, Fran kind of talks her brother into doing it, everybody agrees to give the DNA samples, including Mary Beth, but not Mary Beth's husband. He's already, like, he's already left the room, I think, or something at that point. Yeah, so he doesn't get included. Yeah. Then there's a scene where Sean talks to Murray about the lawyer and Krendler and how he's digging up more dirt on Krendler. And Murray's being a jerk to Sean, but Sean's still a little suspicious at this point. Yeah. I'm not going to tell too much about them because, let's face it, these people don't have a whole lot to do this episode except look agonized about certain things. Yeah. So, uh, Jess, why don't you humanize them for us? Okay. Uh, so, Luca de Oliveira plays Tomas Esquivel. And he is known for a bunch of episodes that he has done on SEAL Team. Oh, um, Very okay. notable for right, that. Right, sure. Another CBS show. Yeah. And also, you know, military type of character. So they pulled him over for that. He is he is really delightful to look at, I have to say. And a great actor. Yeah. He's a lot. Um, like, he's definitely got presence. He's got a lot of fun. A lot he's of presence. doing what he's doing. But, like, but he's given nothing to do in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I feel like consistently. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Then there's Murray Clark, who is, the actor is Nick Sandow, and he is from the Bronx. He is a writer, producer, director, known for his role on Orange is the New Black, which earned him three SAG awards. Oh, wow. And he also has directing credits, like I said. His first feature film was Ponies, which is about betting. Thank on you. the racetracks. And he also directed numerous episodes of Orange is the New Black. And he wrote and directed a crime drama called Wannabe, which was executive produced by Martin Scorsese. Oh, wow. And he also teamed up with Jay-Z and a number of other 
um, people in the business to create the Spike Network's TV show called Time, the Khalif Browder story, which is a Peabody Award winning story about a young man who was un... What's it called? Undocumented? No, unlawfully. Well, he was imprisoned. Oh, unlawfully imprisoned. Unlawfully imprisoned. He did not do the crime that he was accused of. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Cal Penn, he has like the most business in this episode. <laughs> it's true. Like he just, he gets to, you know, take camera shots. He gets to eat. He's like doing all this stuff in the car, <laughs> taking phone calls. Like he's great. He plays, and, I, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this correct. Yeah. We're saying Sean, but it's I'm maybe Shan or Terapathy is his last name. Known probably the world over for Harold and Kumar and all of its versions. That is, I mean, that is certainly where I first saw him and most recognized him from. And then also House. He did a bunch of episodes of House. I'd forgotten he was on House. I don't think I had gotten to his episodes yet, honestly, because (laughs) by that time I was like, I think I'm feeling ill. (laughs) You can't watch too much House. You definitely begin to get a little ill watching House. I'm like, I think I have that. I think I I had that. Do I I need a lumbar puncture? Do I need a spinal tap? I think somebody needs to figure out what's wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. So I think I need to go back to that show because I would love to see him. And I did enjoy the show, except for that part of it. (laughs) He was also on Van Wilder. And, okay, he has a bunch of, you know, little arcs on TV shows. But my favorite was when he showed up on New Girl for a three-episode arc playing an animal agent, an animal <laughs> actor agent. And another thing that's interesting about Cal Penn that people talk to him about frequently is that he worked for the Obama administration, and that's pretty cool. He was also on How I Met Your Mother and 24 and a million other things. One of the things that's happening is that Sean is eating in the car as he's like doing all this tailing. What's he doing? I don't know. He's been in his office all day, so I guess lawyer stuff. So why are you calling me? Because it's weird, right? The picture on the boss's desk, how hard he pushed back. Who are you investigating? Look, you know him better than I do. Apparently. Don't do that, Murray. Don't blind eye this thing. Look, I want him to be straight too, but you can't sit there and tell me that empirically this walks like a duck. He's a lawyer. He wants his family back. Don't tell me you don't get that. I'm sorry. That was, uh... It's a missing kid, Ian. I get it. I'll see you back there. But, yeah, he's fantastic. He had the most to do in this episode. Absolutely. And then, of course, we come back to the Cordelia. It's time for them to eat in the evening. And this, of course is apparently turning into our favorite moment in any crime drama when the detective takes evidence out of the station and looks at it over dinner. Yeah, that's so (laughs) ridiculous. I was like, oh my God, she's eating. It's on the table and she's eating. (laughs) She, let's, you know, yeah. She has a box of cereal as she's looking at gruesome photos and just, you know, chowing down on the cereal. And this is 91. So it's not... 94. 94. I'm sorry. It's 94. So that stuff hasn't even been scanned and put into the database (laughs) yet. It's just the actual photos. I was just wondering though, like in this show, like, so he's eating a box of cereal. I was like, what kind of crime fighting tools should we be giving out with food now? Like at the bottom of your cereal box, like what should you get? Like, hey, mom, I got a blood residue test at the bottom of my Cheerios. I don't know. Do you want DNA tests inside of your fortune cookies now? Like just put your saliva on this tab of paper and we'll tell you who your father was. Anyways. Speaking of dinner, Ardelia's grandmother comes over with dinner to feed the ladies. They have an emotional moment. They share information about their fathers. They look like maybe this is where they're going to have the arc here. But again, emotional information about their fathers and they retcon the hell out of Clarice. Oh my god! I they, mean, we heard that we saw this in the first in the pilot, or yeah, the, the second, second episode. episode. Yeah, but they, then they really just talked about her brothers into, and her sisters. They talk sister about her brothers and, like, what? and her mother, but her mother is still alive. Yes, she's got like siblings on all this. Like, what the hell, people? Like, you're like you're changing the whole story behind, like the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, she's an orphan. She's gone to live with her mother's cousin because she's an orphan. She's trying to save a lamb that's screaming. It's like do because you... she's trying to save herself. Like yeah. it's so meaningless if her mother and her 
van- our brothers yeah. and sisters like, are still alive. If you don't, if you don't have a better payoff than what you had in the movie, why are you doing this? Why yeah, are you I doing this? I, I don't understand it either. You're, I also didn't like this scene because this is a moment where Ardelia tosses off this line where she says something like, isn't it funny how we only keep the good memories? The night he gave me this. Probably the best night of my life. Funny how we only keep the good memories. Like the photos we like. against the whole premise of the show. The whole premise of the show is that Clarice has amazing PTSD. Yes. That she can barely, like people think she's probably a little crazy from her thing with Buffalo Bill. Yeah. How we only keep the good memories. Laying right across from you in bed is exhibit number one about how no, no, the fucked up shit stays with us. Oh my God. I love you showrunners. You are doing the Lord's work, keeping the show running and on time. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, Jessica, tell me something to make me feel good about these showrunners. Oh, about the showrunners? Yes. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So much stuff. You're going to have to cut these things. <laughs> okay. So, the show is created by Jenny Lummett and Alex Kurtzman. Jenny Lummett is an actress and writer and now and producer, executive producer. She was in Death Trap and Q&A and Running on Empty. And she is a screenwriter, best known probably for her original screenplay in 2008, directed by Jonathan Dem. It is Dem, it's not Demi? Or Demi. Whatever, whatever it is. Jonathan, that guy. She wrote the original screenplay called Rachel Getting Married. Oh. And then in 2017... She became the script doctor for a movie which was the new rewrite of The Mummy with Tom Cruise, widely panned. Yes. And I, if I were going to say, make some bets on information that I have only not really looked at the internet to help explain. (laughs) If I was going to make another wild guess. (laughs) I'm going to make, yeah, I'm going to make another wild guess that this is where she met Alex Kurtzman because he did the rewrite or he was also one of the script doctors doctors rewriters and he directed, ultimately directed the mummy. Did he? um, He directed it. With Tom Cruise. Good grief. Wow. Am I saying that right? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. So two interesting things, other interesting things about her, though. She is the granddaughter of Lena Horne. Her mother is Gail Lament, who is one of the, she was a journalist, and Gail was a journalist. Her mother, Gail, Lena Horne, grandmother. Jenny Lummett, who we're talking about Mm -hmm. here, the creator of this show, is the daughter of Sidney Lummett. Do you know who Sidney Lummett is? No. He's passed on, but he was an American film director, producer, and screenwriter. He's over 50 films to his credit. Wow. He was nominated five films for the Academy Award, four for Best Director, for 12 Angry Men. Oh, wow. Dog Day Afternoon, Network, The Verdict, others of his films. He, he never received an Academy Award, an individual Academy Award, but he did receive an Academy Honorary Award, and 14 of his films have been nominated. Okay. Alex Kurtzman, the other creator, where I think they met together on The Mummy, mm-hmm. or they met on right. The Mummy when she That's was a script doctor. Guess. That's my wild ass guess. And then they went on to work together on like so many other Star Trek pieces oh. before they created this. Born in 73, American director, actor, filmmaker, screenwriter. These directed People Like Us. The reboot of The Mummy, I said mm-hmm. wildly panned. He wrote Transformers 1, 2, and 3. Oh, my he, God. He, oh, my God. He yes. did work with Michael Bay. Yes. So he yes. has gotten the whole Michael Bay sound disease yes. where everything has to be, yes. like, super pumped up. Oh, my gosh. He he also wrote The Amazing Spider-Man. He wrote Star Trek. He wrote The Island oh, with yes. the Michael Bay yeah. movie. Michael Bay and yeah. uh, not Ethan Hawke. Ewan McGregor? Yeah. 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 He wrote Cowboys and Aliens. 
He also created the TV show Fringe. He created Star he created Trek Picard. Fringe? Yeah. Oh, wow. Star Trek Discovery, Hawaii Five-0, Sleepy Hollow. I knew and, him from Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Okay, this is crazy. He got his start mm-hmm. writing At on e. Hercules, the Hercules? legendary journeys With Kevin in 1995. Sorbo. Okay, so he ha- used to have a writing a screenwriting partner, Robert Orkey. So he first teamed with Orkey on the syndicated series Hercules Legendary Journeys. They produced several of the storylines to cope with the absence of the lead actor, Kevin Sorbo. Oh. Sorbo? Yeah, Sorbo. Sorbo. Following a stroke that Sorbo oh my God. had suffered during the fourth season. Did you know this? No, not at all. Kurtzman and Orkey writers. Yeah were 24 years old, and they were placed in charge of the show. (laughs) Oh, my God. And after that, they moved into films where they were asked to rewrite Michael Bay's The Island. Mm -hmm. And that exploded. It was super-duper popular. We watched it a million times in the back office of Ann Taylor. One weird little thing that you probably cut out about him is that in his background is a little show with Bruce Campbell called Jack of All Trades. Oh my have God. you heard of this? No. So How have I missed the this The storyline is Jack Stiles, an American spy stationed on a South Pacific island in the early 19th century, teams up with no-nonsense British agent Emilia Rothschild to stop Napoleon's colonizing efforts. Jack's alter ego is the Zorro-esque daring dragoon. You're staring at me like, what the what? How, <laughs> how is this not super famous? Yes, how have I not I seen know. all of these episodes? The pictures are so fantastic. It's so great. It's like, I mean, costume drama, spy. Like, who wouldn't want to watch this show? It I am seems there. seems like I should have gone on for a million oh years. Oh, my God. I want to stop this right now and go watch all those episodes. I know. But we can't. <laughs> we can't. We're going to go on. As we move on, the DNA results come back. Turns out that Mary Beth's mitochondrial DNA, Mary Beth is the friend of Fran, Mary Beth's mitochondrial DNA is a match to what was found on the victims. So she's not the killer, but maybe her son is the killer. Ardelia and Clarice need to find her son. So they go off and race to find her. While they do that, Murray is going mad with power and Esquival has had it. He gives Sean a call to say, I'm going to punch him. I'm just going to punch him. And Sean gives the context that Murray lost his sister when he was 16, when Murray was 16 and his sister was 13. He was supposed to be watching her and he let her go and she got taken and he feels super guilty. And remember the porn? Yeah. That's also why he looks at the porn. He heard that she was in one of, quote unquote, those movies. So now he thinks that she's in porn. And so he's looking through all the porn magazines looking for his sister. And that is all kinds of fucked up. Yes. I, that is just like, I'm sorry. This It's probably one of those moments where you're glad you're an only child, Heard. Because I'm going to have to live with the idea of looking for my sisters in porn. And that's disturbing. I just want to tell yeah, my sisters if no. they're listening to this right now. No, I'm sorry. If that were the case, you'd stay lost. I would not. Like that was not. <laughs> I would not go looking for you that way. I'm really sorry. Yes, whoa, you got your own path. <laughs> Anyways, so Sean also finds information at this point linking Hudley, the evil bad lawyer, to the R and D company that's maybe behind the killings from the first episode. So, heard. Tell me about the lawyer and Crandler. Okay, so. Paul Crandler is played by Michael Cudlitz, who is known for Gross Point Blank. Uh, he's also in The Walking Dead from 2014 to now. He plays Abraham Ford. Oh. And he was also in Southland, replayed Officer Cooper. He does a lot of voiceover for Call of Duty playing Sergeant Glenn Hawk Hawkins. All right. And the lawyer, Joe Hudlin is played by Rahul Banea. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. He is a British-born Indo-Irish-Canadian, and he's worked extensively on screen and on stage since his graduation from the prestigious National Theatre School of Canada in 1996. Some of his credits include Blind Spot, Grey's Anatomy, Frankie Drake, Murdoch Mysteries. Oh, oh, okay. I, that's cool. Private I wonder if we've Eyes. Seen him in Frankie Drake then. I'm... Yeah, maybe. 
I just wanted to make sure we uh, didn't have a misunderstanding. No, I, I think I understood you. I just don't think this is the direction I want to go. Oh. I'm not sure you did understand me. It's very intimate. I have a lot of information about your wife, your family, their schedules, the comings and goings. I can get you your kids, but uh, I need something from you, though. What's that? Pull your team off what went down on the Anacostia River, the three dead women. I think you got the wrong man. Somebody falsified a coroner's report in order to cover up the murder of a suspect in your custody. No one is aware this has happened, but... If somebody's told to look into it, they'll find it really looks like it was you. You'll never get your kids after that kind of thing, and you'll never get them from prison. I've got the right man, Paul. That's why I found you. I'm very, very serious about getting you custody. Talk soon. By now, Clarice and Ardelia have arrived at Mary Beth's place and are questioning her about her missing husband in the hopes of finding her son. Turns out that her ex-husband resented her son and resented having to have so much responsibility. Again, the Peter Pan thing, I swear to you, I was just a little mirror off, but he wanted to be the Peter Peter Pan, so he left. He didn't want to have to grow up. He ran off, and Mary Beth says the son went with him. Meanwhile, there are dogs outside barking too loudly, so she sends her current husband out to deal with them. So, like, this sweaty-looking man goes outside to deal with the dogs. Meanwhile, they continue to question her. Clarice goes snooping around the house and finds a picture of Mary Beth and her son. And her son happens to look a lot like the guy she's calling her husband. Yes, that's right. It is, in fact, her husband. The mother has been forcing the son to be her husband in every which way. There is a telltale mole that is they that both that have. Yes! Oh, my God, you didn't notice? I That's didn't what's notice happened? a mole. Yeah, she, she picks up the photo beside the bed, and she, like, <gasps> because she looks at the, the young boy, the mom is standing mm-hmm. behind him, and right. the young boy is sitting on her lap, and he has the same mole on, on his, his forehead that, he's been, that, he's that been, like, the husband, massaging, quote that unquote, the, the quote has. unquote husband has, and the husband's yeah. been like and massaging she, it the And she goes business. over the photo with her hand to try to be like, oh, is that just like a, a mark thing. on the glass or something, or like okay. some sort of smudge? Oh no, it's his mole. It's his mole. It's the boy. So yeah. Clarice and Ardelia put the screws to Mary Beth, and she confesses like immediately. Yeah, she says, I did it. She screams at Jerry to run. Clarice runs outside to go track down the son, who's hiding with the dogs in a very creepy garage. So again, there's your creepy chase through a weirdly haunted house scene for this yes. episode. At, yeah. Like, at this point, I'm wondering, just how many haunted places do we think we can get Clarice to run through now? Like, we've had, like, we've had a house. We've had a garage. Like, maybe there's, like, a haunted DMV. Or a haunted Applebee's. Maybe some episode will take her to like a haunted Tower (laughs) Records where she has to go through the CD cases because it's the 90s. I don't know. But like sooner or later, they're going to run. Can you run out of haunted places? Maybe you can. I don't know. I also wonder if production designers have like a gross of that plastic sheeting. That plastic sheeting that that is like always at. um, (laughs) I think every production designer who. Uh, works on it's just, there you go. I need, some sort of murder mystery yo, show. Yo, I'm gonna. I'm doing another mystery show. I'm gonna need another uh, another dozen gross of those. Uh, another dozen gross of those plastic strip things. You know, the hang down. <laughs> yeah, no. Give me the ones that are pre-dirty. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna need them pre-dirty this time. I don't have time to dirty them up myself. You want the meat locker version? The, the, you want the meat locker version that? or the produce version? <laughs> Give me the meat locker version. He's a murderer this time, not a thief. All right. Meat locker plastic strips coming. All right. Anyways. Clarice and Ardelia capture the son. Both the Mary Beth and the son Jerry confess to the abuse and the killings. He was abused. He told the boys because he had to share a secret with somebody. But then he was afraid that they'd tell his secret. So he killed them to keep it. Pretty mm-hmm. gross. Pretty gross. Other few loose ends. Krendler does decide he wants to ditch the evil bad guy lawyer. But the lawyer has dirt on Krendler. So Krendler tells the team that Clarice is crazy. It wasn't the guy that abused her. And now the team doesn't know who to trust or who to believe. And now that Ardelia has had success under her belt, she's more a member of the Vicap team. She turns down Garrett. She won't be joining the Black Coalition. 
And that's pretty much where we end the episode, where Clarice is the only one who believes that that man is actually the person who did it. Yeah. Um, I want to cut in for a sec. Sure. And solve another mystery. Okay. What does VICAP stand for? Oh, good call. What does VICAP stand for? According to IMDb. Yes, please. Who knows? Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. And it is, and for real, I guess, uh-huh. I need to do more research on this, I suppose. I but just need the jacket. I don't need more research. I just need the jacket. Yeah. It's an ever-growing and extensive database of unsolved serial murderers across the, murders, across, not murderers, right. obviously unsolved, uh, serial murders across the country. The inspiration for the program came from a Los Angeles Police Department homicide investigator named Pierce Brooks during the 1970s, who was hunting through major city newspapers at the public library for articles on murders similar to the one he was investigating. And he thought, what if this information was contained in a searchable database? And he pitched his idea to the Department of Justice, and in the summer of 1985, he became VICAP's first program manager and the program only works if members of the law enforcement community care enough to input data into the system which isn't always the problem with data is that you do have to enter you have it to in. enter it and let cops in their paperwork i just love the whole nother like yes. 80s paperwork cop thing going on here well yeah. luckily we have no paperwork to fill out because we lost so we don't have to file any wins or anything <laughs> like that no, so you're right <laughs> <laughs> hopefully though you know it's not it's not the winning or the losing it's the murders we see along the way that really count <laughs> oh gosh that's <laughs> awful awful all right well until next time i'm jacob i'm jessica see you then Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, your insider info, your favorite logic cop catches, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Follow us and join the fun on Twitter at ClueDunnit or on Instagram and Facebook at ClueDunnit Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. Because watching TV is always Always better better with with friends. He also directed Serpico. He directed mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express, not obviously the Kenneth Branagh one. Sure. Uh, the Wiz and Death Trap. And I don't know if you know, that's a famous movie with Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve is in The Wiz? No, he's in <laughs> Death Trap. I know, I know he's not.